From the high desert in Far East West Texas, this is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash STVR. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hi, I'm Robert Seidman, and joining me on the podcast today are Aaron Barzilai, who's a data scientist who's launched herhoopstats.com, which aspires to be the Ken Palm of women's college basketball, and also joining the podcast is Sports Illustrated's Richard Deitch, who I hear is a uh, pretty big women's college hoops fan. Aaron, welcome, and uh, Richard, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Aaron, I know you uh, got your undergraduate degree at MIT, and uh, I couldn't dig up any YouTube video, though I tried, uh, but you also played for and were co-captain of uh, MIT's varsity basketball squad. And uh, you went on to get both a master's and PhD from Stanford in mechanical engineering and uh, ultimately spent time in uh, data analysis for both the uh, Memphis Grizzlies and the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, but I was wondering if you could just talk in general terms about the uh, sort of the path uh, from, you know, mechanical engineering being a, a good foundation uh, for, uh, you know, for a data science. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, so certainly I went to MIT, as you said, it's probably more accurate to say I practiced uh, on a basketball team because I, I didn't really ever get, wasn't ever good enough <laughs> to play. Uh, but uh, they were uh, very nice to me and let me stay on the team. And, uh, you know, so I've always been interested in basketball, always loved basketball, and I've always kind of loved math and numbers and that sort of thing. And then the mechanical engineering work I did um, some at MIT, but then more so when I got to Stanford, was very interdisciplinary. So, you know, I like to say that I'm probably the world's worst uh, mechanical engineer with a PhD in mechanical engineering, because my research and my studies were really focused on some mechanical engineering, some electrical engineering, and some programming. You know, we used to make a lot of like autonomous robots and kind of, um, you know, smart product systems. Battle yeah, box. yeah, exactly. Just like sort of the battle box show that uh, used to be on back in the day, and I think has made a comeback. So, you know, from that, you know, that kind of led me to do programming. I realized I was interested in that. Um, sort of graduated at the height of the uh, internet bubble, uh, and worked for a, a financial media startup. I worked for Capital One for a while, and then I went into management uh, consulting. And at the same time, um, and I remember this very clearly. Um, I, that was really when basketball analytics was starting to emerge. I read a, um, a season preview article that uh, Chris Ballard had written for Sports Illustrated many, many years ago. Uh, it was probably like 2003, 2004, I guess, and um, decided like, hey, you know, I might not be able to be better than the guys he's talking about, but you know, hopefully I'm qualified enough to be uh, about as good. And so I started really getting into basketball analytics that way. And from there, you know, just really kind of been self-taught in you know all the different kinds of skills databases um kind of managing servers building websites i put together a website um which is my personal twitter handle uh basketball value back in like 2005 2006 doing uh plus minus data back when um, it really wasn't widely available just like before it was even in the uh, regular nba box score the way it is today and so i did that for a while and you know along the way just pick up skills and kind of you know, I guess you'd say I'm naturally curious, got a lot of different interests. And, you know, I've never really kind of tried to chart out a path where it's like, hey, I want to be, I don't know, a GM by age 30 or anything like that. You know, nor have I really kind of gone about 
trying to uh, sort of chart a career to essentially maximize my income. Um, certainly, I'm guessing that working in women's basketball statistics is not going to be the, the most lucrative field. But, you know, I think it's interesting. I feel a lot of uh, ownership. It's kind of fun to kind of, um, you know, sort of manage this project. I have a couple of friends of mine, Neil Sees and Savas Shortschooley, that have also been helping out. And so it's really just been fun to work uh, on a team on this. And we've had to learn things along the way. Um, we've done it to be both interesting from a sort of a sports analytics kind of standpoint, um, you know, just the core basketball content, but we've also been trying to be uh, perhaps bleeding edge. Uh, some of the technologies we're using like serverless right. uh, kind of technologies on Amazon. So that's been kind of cool to learn about. And, you know, it's just kind of fun to feel like you're stretching yourself. And so, you know, along the way I've learned machine learning, um, things like that, you know, how to build, you know, robust, robust uh, systems that like, you know, the front office or the coaching staff could rely on to give them daily reports. And that's the kind of right. skill that I'm trying to apply now to this. Uh, so, so can, can you talk about, um, uh, just give like a broad overview of, of what her hoop stats is her hoop stats.com and, uh, at her hoop stats on Twitter, uh, what that is and, uh, what was your motivation for starting it? Sure. Well, it's a website for women's college basketball stats. Uh, essentially we're trying to bring the same kind of information that's available both for the NBA and for the men's game to the women's game. There have been some pieces of information that are available, for instance, through uh, websites like the official NCAA website and the team pages, but it's been kind of very hard to work with. Um, you know, not surprisingly, I don't think they've invested in it as much as some of the other sports that, you know, tend to be more, more lucrative. And so always sort of been a challenge, I think, for people. Uh, the whole project started uh, when a friend of mine who I used to work with uh, at the Sixers he recently joined the staff of the uh, Tennessee Lady Volunteers. And so he reached out to me over the summer and asked if I knew of information or knew of any sites that were available to kind of give him the information he wanted and that he was familiar with from his time working in the men's game. He'd also been an assistant coach for a men's team in Division One. And, uh, you know, I looked around, you know, he mentioned some of the things he was aware of. And, you know, really I decided that there were, or recognized that there wasn't really anything I could recommend. And I said, you know what, like I could try and kind of build something for you. And I sort of decided intentionally rather than to make sort of a more expensive product, more expensive tool that would only really be marketed to, say, just the 350 Division One team. Right. Uh, instead, to kind of do something that might be useful for the masses and do it uh, at a price point that's uh, much more affordable. So, you know, it's a subscription-based site. It's $20 a year. So... Definitely, it's not uh, free, but at the same time, I hope that's a price that, you know, works for a lot of people, especially, you know, teams, you know, coaching staffs, uh, sports information directors, broadcasters, and then, you know, the biggest fans, uh, you know, whether that's family or people that are season ticket holders and have been season ticket holders for years and years and years. Hey, so, so Richard, I'm just curious, like, how, how do you... Uh... How do you look at stats these days? Are you, are you still a, a box a, a box score guy? Like, well, what's your what's your method for uh, for even looking at any of these stats? Oh, Robert, you don't want to go through my shitty academic credentials compared to Aaron's. Uh, you know what? When when oh. the next time I have you on on the podcast, we will we will talk about uh, about your professorship. But now today, I want to focus <laughs> on Aaron. No, I'm tr trust me, I'm mocking <laughs> myself. The, the credentials are not close. Um, I'm a college dropout. Are you are you talking about for um, 
for covering women's basketball, what I look at, or are you talking about as a general sports fan how I look at? It? Uh, so I, you know, two different things. so I so I think as a, both as a general sports fan, okay. you know, what's your methodology? But then as someone who reports on it, also. Yeah, my general methodology as a sports fan is I, I don't look at box scores the way I did, certainly as a kid, when the agate section of newspapers, you know, I craved and, right. and read everything. I also think a lot of people um, today, if you're looking at the traditional box score, you're probably a fantasy sports player and because all of your information is there. And so that would lead that way. Um, I, when I want statistics, interestingly enough, um, I usually find mine in game stories from those who are covering the beat and the league sites. If I want to go a little bit deeper, um, and certain sites, um, I think have really um, catered to the advanced metrics fan. The NBA is pretty good. I feel like the NHL just totally um, redid their focus on this. And so, um, you know, in specific to women's basketball, you know, before um, what Aaron was doing. The, the best site to go to far and away would be the NCAA.com site, which basically gives you um, updates on both team and individuals in your traditional uh, basketball stats across the board. You know, the, who's leading the country in rebounding, let's say what team is best in scoring margin. So the NCAA, to me, at least in women's basketball, is far and away um, the warehouse to go to. They're, they're even ESPN, as great as their women's basketball coverage is, doesn't have – I mean, Aaron can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they have any kind of updated stats page that goes nearly as deep as the NCAA does. No, I definitely think that uh, NCAA is good. It's got the information there. It's got really the traditional metrics. And so one thing we're trying to do differently is bringing more of the advanced exactly. metrics. But it's, but it's also, I think, a little – I don't know what your experience has been, Richard. My sense is a lot of people find it a little bit uh, – challenging and, and bulky to use and so we've really been trying to focus on you know making it easy to use and also really being mobile first so it works really well on your phone yeah yeah the one thing i would say that i told this to aaron obviously because we've talked offline is that what he's doing doesn't exist um he's now whether there's an audience or market for it is an entirely different larger conversation but he does he does have a product that is in my opinion essentially did not exist before him which is pretty amazing. Yep, I, I agree. So, so uh, Aaron, if, if I assume that, uh, let's say, that all the organizations in the NBA have embraced advanced analytics, even if not everyone working in those organizations have, uh, can you give a, a general sense of how widely advanced analytics have been embraced, say, by the men's and women's college hoops world? Well, I think that uh, in the men's side, it's been embraced pretty widely. I think um, you'll see there was an um, amazing quote, I forget the details, that Dan D'Antoni, Mike D'Antoni, especially Tony's uh, brother uh, recently had last year, sort of talking about um, you know how important things like three-point radar and the value of three-point shooting. Right. Um, and so I think that it's definitely very well widespread. I think you know, almost everyone subscribing to um, Ken Pomeroy's site, kenpom.com. I think many of them are on Synergy as well. I think just about everybody knows Synergy um, for both video as well as that provides them some advanced stats. I think for the women's game, there's definitely, you know, some offerings and some people are definitely doing the work, but I think it's very um, not widespread. I think part of it's a chicken and egg problem, right? You're not going to be widely using metrics like true shooting percentage when like you don't feel like you can get them reliably for anyone but yourself. Right. And so I think that's part of the challenge. I think there's lots of technical work. We've 
done and we still need to do. There's definitely plenty of improvements to the site, but I think a lot of it's going to be, you know, from an organizational perspective, it's like change management, getting the community to recognize that, hey, some of these metrics are valuable and maybe instead of offensive rebounds per game, we should be looking at offensive rebounding percentage to understand, you know, if we don't miss much, we're not going to get that many offensive rebounding opportunities. And so I think that it's pretty new. I am aware of at least one team and just kind of starting to get into this world that has an analytics consultant. Now they, again, they mostly focus on themselves, and I have a sense that that's mostly the teams that are looking at advanced stats. That's mostly what they're doing. Uh, Richard, just in, you know, in your communications with various people in, in women's college hoops, what, what's your sense of, uh, of their embracement of advanced analytics? Yeah, I mean, I think certainly compared to the men, I mean, they're really at the dawn of it. Um, I think some of the bigger programs um, have some of the data at their disposal, but I mean, it's nowhere near certainly what the NBA does and what men's college basketball does. I think there are a lot of reasons for that. I mean, this, the parity in the sport is far greater in the men's game than the women's game. Uh, Aaron mentioned the NBA. I mean, synergy, basically, you could sort of get any kind of stats. I, I don't know what the w, where the WNBA stands, the synergy maybe Aaron does, but that could be, I think, a place where the advanced kind of metrics, at least in terms of the women's game, go to first because that's a professional league. There's a lot, you know, there's there's – um, talking about professional players, larger uh, data set because they've played, um, including college, uh, probably a number of years in the pros. But I think they're at the beginning. But, but I do think it would be some. I think the smart programs that have money, um, you know, the Tennessees of the world, the Connecticut's, the Stanford's, um, you know, the kind of Baylor's, the programs that are historically top ten. If if, if they're not sort of starting to do it now, they're going to do it a lot more in the future because they're going to look to get any kind of challenge. I'm sorry, any kind of advantage, competitive advantage that they can get where I think it's going to be more interesting is what is the 160th best women's basketball team? Is that something they're interested in? Uh, and, and if so, how long until like it becomes more commonplace for like that kind of program to do something again, that's a program that would not have nearly the kind of budget that their equivalent men's program would have. And if these services are stuff where you have to pay for it, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where they go. Obviously for Aaron's subscription service, $20 would not be a lot for any kind of right. athletic department. But, you know, in terms of like having an analytics consultant, that's a full-time or part-time salary staffer. You know, I think there are only, I'm going to take a guess here, you know, 50 women, division one women's basketball programs that would sort of even contemplate having that kind of staffer and actually giving money to that kind of staffer. Right. So, so Aaron, I mean, it's priced at twenty dollars. So, I, I, you know, my thought is that you're not just targeting athletic programs. Who, who, who do you see as the uh, as the the market and the the target audience for uh, for her hoopstats.com? Yeah, no, definitely. Because I just felt like three hundred fifty customers ultimately wouldn't really be enough to kind of make this a sustainable um, project. So, really, I'm target. I am targeting the program. But I'm also targeting, you know, really the players and their families. My sense is if you had like a niece that was, uh, you know, the backup uh, wing at uh, UTEP or something, you might want to be able to look up their stats and kind of understand that they might be, 
you know, in the top 20% of the country, which doesn't really come through that easily in some other sites on a particular step. Um, and then in addition to sort of families, I think it's both season ticket holders, really the biggest fans. And so, of course, programs like Utah, South Carolina, Tennessee, Stanford, hoping to get, a, you know, a reasonable fraction of their kind of most devoted fans who might enjoy understanding that deeper information. And then I'm also hoping that there will be some people that are, um, you know, maybe younger uh, young women that are, say, in high school or even uh, girls that are in middle school that are, um, you know, aspiring to play division one, or to play sports and, you know, following the women's game very closely. So that's kind of the main characters, as well as I would say the media. I've been having some uh, great support from people on the broadcast side as well. Right. So so uh, h- how do you uh, how do you reach my niece uh, who, who uh, wants to go to UTEP? H- how, how are you thinking about reaching that audience? <laughs> Well, that's the magic question. Do you think that they're uh, listening to podcasts like these or not? Uh, not this one. Maybe, maybe uh, <laughs> I can, I can offline. I'll give you some other ones. Maybe like uh, someone hosting Taylor Swift. If you can get a plug on that, yeah, one, that exactly. would be good. Exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, really I'm reaching out to, uh, you know, people that I think are pretty influential uh, in the game. That's part of why I talked to Richard originally when I was doing my research about whether this was kind of a worthwhile project. You know, I've been getting a lot of uh, support, from broadcasters, Debbie Antonelli actually uh, has been extremely nice. supportive. She actually mentioned the site uh, on her broadcast on the SEC network the other day. You know, we're trying to do some other things that are going to kind of get wider attention with the fans. So, you know, we really know that there's a lot more work to do. So I think we're trying to do that. We have a social media presence, which we hope is going to help. I've got a uh, young woman who is a uh, fifth year senior. She plays in McAllister uh, in Minnesota Division Three. Her name is Grace Stickman, and she's been doing a great job, you know, kind of putting out regular content uh, on the site. And then, you know, really, my hope is that as people uh, that are covering the game start to reference it, uh, that it'll just kind of spread, you know, by osmosis. I guess. I I, uh, I I think that's a good plan, and I I hope it works out. So you track like more than, I think I think it was like sixty five or sixty six stats on her, her hoop stats and at least a dozen of them are what i would consider advanced statistics uh do you do you love all your advanced stats children equally or uh, do you have some favorites <laughs> well i would say that you know it's funny we call them advanced but you know they're really not very often i always say that you know analytics so much of it can be just having the right denominator right uh in the same way that for baseball like hey maybe we should think about all those at bats when they have walks and look at on base percentage so you know i tend to look at things like true shooting percentage uh that's uh basically adjust your field goal percentage for the value uh not just the twos but giving you credit for threes and also giving you credit if you get to the line a lot and score you know if you go nine for ten from the line you know, that means you basically, or you go eight for 10 from the line. That's kind of like going four for five from the field, which is right. quite good. So, so you want to account for getting to the line as well as, um, uh, you know, hitting, hitting uh, from deep. So that's a stat that I think it's important. I think it's fascinating to kind of look at the usage rates, which is basically measuring how many of the possessions um, a player is using. You can often see, you know, whether players are, you know, getting, you know, high counting stats, lots of points, rebounds, um, assists, you know, but part of the reason is because both, A, they're playing a lot of minutes, and so um, that's kind of helping them, uh, you know, pad stats is not quite the right phrase, but, you know, nevertheless, it makes their per-game numbers look better 
and and similarly, the usage can be important. If you're basically, you know, every time you get the ball, you're putting up a shot, you know, you're going to score more than someone that's a little more selective. And, you know, sometimes that can be counterproductive if your accuracy isn't that great. So I often get look at usage rate and true shooting percentage. Those are just a couple of numbers. So Richard, I'm just curious, like, uh, how do you use these stats if you use them? I haven't used them much, um, and that's mostly because I just I haven't written a ton of women's basketball in the last couple of weeks. I will certainly when uh, the postseason gets around. Um, and and this and I've talked about this with Aaron, and this is the challenge. The, he has a twofold challenge here. One is the sport itself lacks media coverage, which is very frustrating mm-hmm. for those of us who love it. But that's a larger problem that Aaron can't control. Right. If you took ESPN away from women's basketball, I can't even contemplate mm. what kind of attention it would get. But just look around some of the great news organizations in the country, the Washington Post, the LA Times, the New York uh, Times. You know, th- These places, the biggest and best places, progressive places, barely cover the sport. So then when you go sort of even further down, the, you know, and SI does not do a good job covering the sport, the, the, the coverage – lessons in some markets the coverage is excellent like the hartford current in other markets even top 20 markets some of these markets don't have a dedicated uh, beat writer to the division one women's basketball team so first and foremost for aaron the challenge is is to just even get the coverage that exists and one of the reasons why advanced stats got picked up in baseball is because there's so many people who are into the game right. who write about the numbers of the game that they wanted to basically debate and discuss some of these more significant or better metrics or measures to discuss like who is better than whom or who's more valued than whom that these kind of conversations do not exist in the media right now with women's basketball. And I think the only way to get, in my opinion, to sort of for Aaron stats to become a little more prominent in the space is the hope that there would be more people just interested in the sport. Um, and that's a tricky challenge. Um, but you know, in terms of using what he does, I think the only way that I could really pull it off would be that if there's, if there's somebody in the country who really is just so ahead of the curve or a team that's so ahead of the curve in one of these kind of um, uh, interesting metric site that it would be worth it, sort of a story in explaining why they are so ahead of the field. Um, but that's where the cha- that's where Aaron has a challenge. It's, not that his numbers aren't interesting. I think they're inherently interesting. It's just that the sport itself is struggling just to do the, just to have enough people covering the nuts and bolts of it, um, let alone the statistics of the sport. You know, you could, you could, um, you would be hard pressed to find 1% of the American sports fans who could tell you who leads the country right now in scoring for, for women. And that's, that's something that's got to change. Yeah. Aaron, I, I don't want to put you on the spot. I'm sure you've you've thought about this uh, quite a bit, but uh, what, what are your response? To, what's your response to what Richard just said? No, I think I think Richard's absolutely right. And like I said, he gave me a little advice along the way. One of the first questions that I asked was uh, when I was thinking about this, and, and Richard helped me understand was kind of what's the size essentially of the women's game relative to men's game, just to uh, at least in, in college basketball, just to get a sense for what the market might be, and, and everyone. Right that I spoke to has been super encouraging. And then it's always just, that's the magic question is, you know, just how many people really are out there. Um, the other thing that we are trying to do though, is we're intentionally, you know, setting it up. So we're not just a plot, um, uh, interesting to the stat heads. We're also making sure that we keep all the traditional stats, like the personal right. stats that people are more familiar with. We want anyone 
that's got any kind of interest to be, you know, able to access that, uh, access that easily. And then we're making sure that we don't use like lots of the crazy acronyms, um, whether for simple stats or for true shooting percentage, like we're intentionally not putting TS percent or writing out true shooting percentage and, you know, offensive rebounding rate. People will, you know, they'll see that next to offensive rebounds per game and, you know, maybe they'll shift. But the other thing that we're doing, which we think can be interesting is giving people better context uh, in terms of ranks and percentiles on how players are doing. Like sometimes it's not really that exciting to say that, you know, uh, a specific player is, you know, 210th and three point percentage, but you know, really that's top 10% in the country. So that's quite good because there's about 3,500 or so players. And so, you know, trying to give people the context for the stats they're familiar with is something that can also be, you know, very interesting. I think. Is the, uh, is, is the upkeep of the site itself, you know, just the updating of the stats is 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 that automated enough that it's uh, at least sort of low cost, low hassle, and uh, and you can give yourself runway to uh, to let this thing grow organically? Yes, that's definitely been the way we set it up. Now it's still early; we're still adding features, so it's not like you know we built it all, you know, released it at the beginning of December and haven't done a thing since. We're actively working on a lot of stuff, but you know, basically it's running, you know, essentially once a morning to get last night's games and uh, and update the stats. And, you know, my thought has always been that this is like, you know, it'd be great if we could work on this full time and continue um, actively um, developing it and in the short term. But if not, I wanted to make sure that, because I think it's somewhere between like a business idea and a public service really for the right. women's game. And so if it ends up being something that I can do on the side, that's, you know, low, low effort, low cost, as you said, you know, I still think that's kind of a worthwhile thing to do to help the game. And my hope is that by doing this, it will contribute to the growth of the game a little bit. Um, obviously, it's not going to contribute as much as the compelling storylines, but, you know, I think it's maybe helped a little bit with NBA interest and, you know, maybe it will contribute a little on the women's side as well. Richard, what's your best idea for Aaron? My best idea was having him do my <laughs> podcast with you. <laughs> uh, my best idea for Aaron would be to try to get some very prominent people in women's basketball, and I think players would be um, uh, his biggest uh, score, to uh, be able to see the site, marinate in the site, and then ultimately um, recommend it and or become visible in using it. So people like, and again, I'm not sure he'll ever be able to do this, but you know, I would, I, I would do my best to figure out ways to get it in the hands of people like Diana Trust, Brittany Griner, Elena Deladon, talking the biggest names in the sport. Yeah. And if, you know, I don't know if any of those women are particularly really into statistics, but I bet you, I would just bet off the top of my head that of the women who are generally speaking part of the national team pool, I bet you there's a couple who would just be curious and interested. Like I know Sue Bird um, yeah. for many, many years. I profiled her in 2001 and she's the kind of person who is just interested in new things and new ways yeah. to make her a better player. So to me, I, my best advice to Aaron would be to figure out ways to get it into the hands of those. And maybe Aaron is as just crazy as it sounds, even writing a letter to the U.S. national team or writing a letter to Don Stanley and say, hey, I have these stats. I'd be willing to provide these guys to you gratis at first. And if this is something you're interested in, maybe we could get some kind of partnership or relationship. But the, the way his best bet, in my opinion, is you need to get prominent people interested in what – you are doing and then let them basically be the word of mouth carriers. 
Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. And, you know, Sue Bird is very high on my list. So, you know, uh, Sue, if you're listening out there, I'd definitely love to talk to you. Or Richard, if you get to <laughs> put me in touch with her. I know she wrote a really powerful article for the Players' Tribune. Um, I think it was called Analyze This a couple of years ago, sort of yep, bemoaning yep, really lack of stats. And so I expect that, you know, people like her will, um, you know, would be would be interested. And so, yeah, so I've been very fortunate since I worked in the NBA and I've been in and around the NBA for, you know, over a decade. I've gotten a lot of um, good contacts. And so I've really been trying to um, kind of reach out to the kind of those key influencers. Carol Lawson has been really supportive. I, yeah, perfect. I was example. able to talk to her. She tweeted out. Um, uh, an endorsement uh, kind of tweet uh, not too long ago. Um, was able to uh, connect with her through some connections with the Wizards and she calls their games out. And so, um, so yes, yeah, so that's definitely um, great advice and definitely something we're trying to do. So, uh, Aaron, best of luck with herhoopstats.com and on Twitter it's at herhoopstats. And uh, Aaron and Richard, thank you both for joining the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's a real honor to have me on, Robert. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate all your help, Richard. Thanks again to Aaron and Richard for joining the podcast. You can find Her Hoop Stats on Twitter via at Her Hoop Stats and on the web at HerHoopStats.com. And uh, Aaron's personal Twitter is at Basketball Value. And uh, if you're not sick of me and Richard yet, uh, the next podcast is uh, with Richard and Ad Age's Anthony Krupe. And uh, that should be fun and schedule God's willing. That'll be up sometime on Tuesday, January 9th, 2018. And uh, you can find all the past podcasts, including the uh, most recent one with Jim Miller, uh, where we discuss uh, the PTI episode of his Origins podcast. And you can find that on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, RSS, and uh, SportsTVRatings.com. Thanks for listening.